Hey friends, welcome to Still With You. My name is Coley Browning and I am so excited that you've joined me for another episode of the podcast. The beautiful music that you're listening to right now is from our friend Gabrielle Grace. This is her song, We'll Be Alright, from her new EP. She dropped six new songs last week that I cannot stop spinning. You can find this new project on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you stream. If you would like to connect with Gabrielle, you can visit her website, gabriellegracemusic.net, or you can follow her on social media. Her handle is Gabrielle Grace Music. Make sure you check out her latest. EP will be all right. It is incredible. And speaking of incredible, do you know who we are hanging out with today? If you have not already heard of Jessica Hoddle, by the end of this episode, you will be a follower and fan of this warrior. I love this conversation with her and have been so excited to share. Faith-based fitness coach, podcast host, speaker, and number one best-selling author Jessica Hoddle is unafraid of sticky situations. Perhaps you know this already. One of her favorite ways to uplift others is by writing encouraging truth on colorful post-it notes and sharing them online. Her feed is spilling over with challenging, empowering words, all leading to freedom found only in Jesus. Jessica shares, for too long, I let my body be my idol, men be my source of worth and value, and the success of my business determine my identity and success as a person. I found freedom from the pain of my past by realizing that my worth isn't determined by my works, actions, or what has been done to me. My worth is only determined by the love of Jesus going to the cross for me. Friends, forget feeling like your mess is too much. Jessica believes every day is an opportunity to move towards health, and she wants to dismantle the lies that keep us from healing and wholeness. She's written three books, Know Your Worth, A Worthy Wife, and Own Your Worth, and every week speaks on What's the Truth, a podcast designed to challenge the way you think so that you can change the way you live. Jessica refuses to follow rules, restrictions, and religious duties. She would rather live authentically with integrity and in freedom through Christ. With this philosophy, she helps women find freedom from their past, creating long-term sustainable results. I do want to include a little label of warning in the conversation that Jessica and I have. It is not very often that I talk about body image and everything that surrounds our physical health, but I do want to place an asterisk here and just say that if you have struggled with body image or anything surrounding that conversation, this may not be a helpful conversation for you. And that is absolutely okay. Totally respect that. And at the same time, if you do have any young ears in the room, there are a few subjects that we talk about that might not be for your young people in the room. Just wanted to be transparent about this. You know, my heart is for you. What a true honor it is to sit down with the warrior herself and ask Jessica the hard questions about healing, boundaries, and body image. Pull out your pens and post-it notes, friends. Every word is noteworthy. Let's jump right into the conversation with my friend, Jessica Hoddle. I just have to know about the sticky note situation. Our friends who have followed you, you have often shared encouragement through 
posting handwritten notes and then taking a picture of them and then putting them online. You are so good about sharing encouragements almost dailies. How did that start for you? And why was that the right pattern of positive communication for your friends? With Instagram, we're just visual people. I wanted one main core thing to stop people and to get them to question. Because I often say, you know, challenge the way you think to change the way you live. And it was my goal to just pose this one statement in this sticky note or in this picture or whatever to get them to want to read the rest of the section or the comment just to stop them and think, oh, well, that's interesting. There was no plan. There was no like, hey, this is what we're going to do. I saw somebody actually doing that. And I was like, I really love this style. So I have a ton of sticky note colors and I've used a lot of them and very Mm -hmm. time consuming, you know, behind the scenes of you have to take the picture and then you have to upload it and have the filter and then you have to transfer it to these different apps. And so it was actually really time consuming. And there'd be times there was something I wanted to say and I didn't have a sticky note. (laughs) So I think this transition from more of uh, as Instagram grows and my heart grows of of what he's calling me to share and how to share it, the message is still the same. But as we change and as Instagram and the world around us changes, I think we have to be willing to change as well. Ooh, that's such a good statement. That is so true on so many levels. How do you, speaking truth to so many friends and your listeners and those who are reading your books, it's almost like you're a pastor to us. (laughs) You're a pastor, Jessica, where you're like bringing us like, that's so kind. You're bringing us encouragement weekly. How do you find that when you feel like an empty well? This is needed and I'm empty right now. When I feel empty, it's really my own fault because that means I'm not going to the well to get the water. Mm. When I feel like I'm doing it out of my own, striving to make a post or striving to create this content, for me to write something from the heart, I have to overflow from my own pain and experiences. Like That's the only way that I can write. And so when I force that and I'm not experiencing life or reading the word of God, it is literally an empty well. And I'm trying to force something and create something. And then I start looking at other people's posts and I'm like, oh, that was a good idea. And it just feels extremely forced. I'm just not going to the well to get the water. And that's really just, I'm not experiencing life. I'm not putting down my phone. I'm not asking the father, hey, what is it that you have for me right now? What are you teaching me? What is this word saying? What other teachings am I being involved in? Every time I put my phone down or start to experience the life around me and talk with other people and read the word of God, my experiences come and so do the posts that I create. And often the posts that I create are very, I like to think more thought-provoking and deep and more in-depth. And I know that that doesn't always translate to Instagram because a lot of people right now, they want something that's short and encouraging. Give me some short pieces of this food. And I'm more like, can we just have dinner? Like that's how my posts feel sometimes. It's just hard for me to scale back because I want you to go deeper. And I'm always challenged to go deeper. And that's why I always challenge other people to go deeper. I want to turn back to something that you mentioned about how we sometimes will see what someone else has created in their own form and then we try to replicate it. If I look at my own life and I'm and I'm being very transparent, I think sometimes I've gone to try to replicate something that someone else has done because I'm scared that when I go to God and it's my own, that it's not going to be taken well. It's not going to be popular. It's going to feel less than. Yeah. Do you ever feel that being an author and in this mm-hmm. space of where God's calling you to use your voice all the time. Yeah. I'm an author, right? I'm a podcaster. You're a podcaster. You create the content. You have to have all these different things. Oftentimes, I will look at 
these other people that get all these likes on their posts or have this amazing following. And I will think to myself, man, if I could just write like her yeah, to realize that it, those lies come for all of us and no matter what field that you're in. And often that will come, wow, she like really was able to make that clear and to the point. And her story was really beautifully written and how it was written. People really resonated. And I'm like, Jess, you're too hard. You need to soften your tone. When I try to do that, I'm like, this is stupid. Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing? And it frustrates me because if I try to change my voice, then I feel like I'm striving. Then it takes me 10 times longer to do what I'm actually called to do because I'm trying to morph myself into an image of this world and not into the image of God. That is so real. When I do have those moments where suddenly like I for a moment own it, I do realize that it's better than anything I could have crafted myself. How do you do that and make those decisions of what to share and what's just for you? I don't know why we think this as believers and maybe you're not a believer, but thinking about this idea that just because I have peace doesn't mean it's good. It's, that means it's not going to be hard. We just kind of chalk up to, well, it's really hard right now and there's a lot of tension and there's a lot of friction, so it must mm. not be God's will. And what happens is we just shut down and we're like, well, it's this is really hard, uh, so I guess I'm not supposed to be doing it. When did he ever say that your calling was going to be easy? I mean, he is clear. Like Jesus said that they will hate you simply because of me, period. Not because of anything that you've done, not because you're not a good person, but simply because you follow me, they will hate you. And that has been a hard pill to swallow when you really think about it. Are our hearts prepared to be hated just because we love Jesus? I remember reading the book of Job. I read it at the beginning of the year. And so every time I I read that book about how he went through all of the hardship, I think about, is it worth it? And of course, the answer is yes. But when you're living in those moments where it's like, oh, wow, like I truly feel the affliction to some extent of like what this looks like, God sending you through refining seasons. You're right. That's why we have to keep going to the well. I just need daily reminders. So like, that's why I'm grateful for friends like you speaking truth to remind me, this is why you keep going. This is why you don't give up. I saw this vision in my mind the other day about this woman and she was like walking in a sandstorm and the wind was like literally blowing her hair, blowing her head. Her body was really wobbly. She couldn't catch her feet. And I feel like as believers, that's kind of where we are right now. We're kind of being tossed this to and fro of, okay, who do I believe? Do I believe this person, this outlet, or do I just believe the word of God and stand on it? Because right now the word of God does not align with what I see. Right? Will we continue to actually stand tall in the midst of the sandstorm? Call me cheesy, but I often think of the part in Wonder Woman where she finally comes to herself and it's in the battle and in the war and she's climbing up the ladder and she's crossing enemy lines and she's Mm -hmm. running across the field and she finally realizes like, I have nothing to lose. She comes into her powers, she starts deflecting the bullets and she really fully begins to own herself, who she was called to be. And I feel like that is like another vision the Lord constantly gives me. Will I stand in the truth of who you've called me to be no matter if the bullets are flying because I know that you're my protector and I know that you're the one that gives me life. And even if I know where I'm going and I have been meditating on this year, like you can't threaten me with heaven because I used to have a fear of death, of dying, not of where I was going, but of the, of just 
dying in general. Yeah. I don't know if this is too heavy or not, but no, bring it. I'm just being real. A lot of believers want to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. When I began to really, okay, God, like show me what this means. Why am I afraid to die? Why is this process happening? I just kept saying to myself, like, you can't threaten me with heaven. I'm going to live in a mansion, gold and beauty and no more pain, no more suffering. And I get to be with Jesus. All of these things, when we focus on the world and what the world has given us, we begin to almost compare it to heaven. Well, I don't want to go. It's almost like this is too good compared to what is in heaven. It's just been like this tug of war with my heart. But I think that he's just calling his daughters. He's calling his people. Will you stand when the wind is blowing? Will you cross the battlefield and begin to redirect those bullets and not accept what the world keeps trying to say? The people that she was with in Wonder Woman were like, hey, don't go over there. It's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Hello, what are you doing? She's like, I'm going anyways. So will you listen to the people that are saying, you're not doing the right things. You're not doing this. You're not a believer. You're not a Christian. Or will you just go and cross the battlefield? That is such a powerful visual. Even hearing you with your tone of voice and the authority that you have, I'm like, (laughs) yes, I want to join that team. Like I'm on that team. See, I love that God like gives specific messages. I could certainly say that, but it would probably come across in a different way. And how you share that is like for such a time as this, like you certainly are a warrior. I could imagine our friends hearing you say that and kind of just being amazed as I was where they're like, wow, like Jessica has like such authority in this. She's speaking this with such confidence. I want that confidence. But what they don't know that you've been so open about is your story and how it's taken a journey for you to find your worth in Jesus and to know your worth and to own your worth. All of the books that you've written, you know, they probably see that and want that. So like, what was that like for you when you had to go through that in private with Jesus before you were able to share? Were you sharing along the way what God was doing in your heart? I have been in business for myself since I was 22. At the time of this recording, I am a 33. Shortly after I started my first fitness business, I was in a mastermind to a very successful person who is very still successful to this day. And I began to really strive in my work. Even after accepting Jesus at the age of 22, I still was striving in my work and you had to show up. And so I shared every single piece of my life at that point. Videos that I look back, I'm like, what the heck was I doing? Like this adds no value. Just telling you that I'm going to teach a class adds no value (laughs) to anybody. Then the message was only share what's going to inspire, encourage people. So I'm like, okay, people, then they don't want to see like my cat walking on a treadmill. That's not really telling them, encouraging them or equipping them or whatever. I began to really wrestle for a couple of years. I didn't go silent on social media or anything. I still showed up every single day, but how I began to show up started to change. And it started to become more teaching-based, all those things versus like, hey, here's me and my husband. We're just going out to get dinner. Because I began to think, well, people don't really care about this. I was still sharing my real struggles of men and identity and all these things, bringing us to today where now I have wrestled with how much is personal, how much is encouraging, and how much is you know teaching. That was kind of a long roundabout way to say this. You need to heal privately before you share publicly. Mm. Too many people are processing what they feel in Instagram stories, and then they're getting upset when somebody disagrees with them, which is actually causing their pain to go deeper. Now they're listening to all these other voices tell them, oh, great, you're doing a great job. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Or, wow, that's so stupid. Why are you sharing this? This doesn't make any sense. I had to unfollow so many people this year, and it's sad to say, because in their Instagram stories, they were literally walking me through 
every single ounce of their pain. Mm. I love being real and authentic, but there comes a time where you have to step away to heal about that topic before you can share with it publicly. That is just something I stand on and just agree with because understanding pain and healing is to know that every single opinion that you get is going to transform your pain into something bigger or better. And if you're listening to people that don't know you, that don't walk in life with you to tell you that you're good or that you're bad, your identity is going to be formed on their opinion and your healing is going to be formed on them and not the healer. That is so true. Because they're going to say, you don't have to forgive that person. It's not your fault. Maybe you did have a part in that. Part of healing is responsibility, not taking ownership of what other people have done to you. But you can say, hmm, you know what? Maybe me cussing at them, I can repent of that. But the world teaches us that it's not your fault. It's not your responsibility. Don't worry about it. You're good. And what happens is that we kind of become, well, I'm great. Like it's everybody else's problem, not mine. Jesus invites us in. He sits us down and his scripture tells us that his word is for, you know, reproof and teaching, correction. How am I taking his word and using that in my heart? How am I learning about forgiveness? Forgiveness isn't reconciliation. It's that's two different things. But how am I closing the loop of my pain? Yeah. without everybody else's opinion of my pain. And a lot of people, I've, I've heard disagree, but a lot of people agree. You can share things that you're going through. Again, I love the authenticity of that. If you're crying or you're lashing out at Instagram stories or you're constantly mm. defending your pain, take a break, heal. How do we know when we've crossed that line into, ooh, this is something that I probably need to take to my living room couch and journal about it rather than popping open an app and speaking about it? Really simple and easy. Is it hurting or is it helping? Okay, that'll do it. Is this hurting me? Meaning, do I feel more weighed down when I go on social media or go to somebody else for this opinion? I mean, it's okay to obviously ask for help if that person knows you or you're going to somebody that is licensed in doing so. But if I'm going to, you know, social media and asking people that do not know me, do not know anything about me, but maybe some of these snippets that I share and asking them to tell me how to heal, is this hurting me? Am I feeling worse about myself, worse about my pain, or is it helping me? Mm -hmm. And only you and the Holy Spirit can guide that. But processing online is more likely hurting you. It shuts down our prefrontal cortex. It shuts down our reasoning. It shuts down the ability to think without all the emotion. And we just begin to run on the emotion instead. What if this is a more personal setting where you are with a friend who is basically draining you, going through the healing, but it's it's too much for you to walk with them through? Like you can be there to some extent, but all of the things of where you're saying they're processing their healing through social media, what if it's a little bit closer to that and it's just, it's too much learning boundaries? How do you do that? There are people in my life right now that I know very well that are really going through, I'm talking like mental tough time, borderline like suicide tough time. I mean, people that close to me, right? And and what you're saying is like, how do I love them? But how do I also not take them with me, pick up what they're feeling and experiencing? You're married. You have a family. It's not that you don't love them and don't want to be there for them, but also we're not professionals. You know, we're also not Jesus. I also want to say, I'm so sorry that you're having to walk through that. Like that breaks my heart for you and breaks my heart for them. 
There's so many things like that happening right now in this year that are not being talked about. That is what hurts my heart the most is what is going on mentally. Some things just happened last night in a conversation and, and we were talking, what is the next step? And I live two and a half hours away. So I'm kind of removed physically from the situation and things with COVID and them having like just, just the scenarios have not been great. I had to recently come to the conclusion of how can I support and love, take care of, reach out to people to be there, but also how can I pray for her and love for her, even if she doesn't want it, receive it or understand it. Because when somebody is has kind of lost hope or they think that everything that they're doing is a good choice. And I know that this is a really extreme example and there's so many things. And like you said, I'm not a licensed anything, but there is this point where you can be there with them without taking their feelings and emotions. It can be a spirit of affirmity. It can be a spirit of oppression. And recognizing how you feel when you're around them, you can easily dismiss their spirit of suicide or cast it off of them or whatever it is and not take on what they're feeling. Because if you're a feeler like I am, you're going to feel it as soon as yes. you walk in the room. You can feel it in a conversation. You can feel it when you walk into the grocery store. Sometimes you'll be mad and you don't even know why you're mad. It's because somebody around you is mad and you begin to pick up on that. There's a lot of of boundaries and boundary work and grief, uh, helping them, reaching out to certain people or connecting with them. But if it's more of a not as a hard conversation as that, and it's a friend that's just kind of like draining you and you're really close with them, then you can obviously have the mm. conversation because you should be close enough to be able to have the honest conversation of what's actually yeah. happening. The most important thing I always tell people is that you have to be obedient and do the work and love them well. And it's not your responsibility according to their reaction. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, I can show up in obedience and love and be kind to them according to how they are loved and what the Holy Spirit is asking me to, you know, how to love on them. Their reaction is not my responsibility. And I can still show up, but then I can also set up a boundary where I know that this is boundary. Like, hey, you're starting to talk about this again like this. I need to exit the room or this is not a conversation that we can have together. And that is a healthy communication together because you both are understanding that this is not good for neither one of yeah. you right mm -hmm. now. And it is okay to say and to put that line, hey, we can't have this conversation together right now. You know, I want to be here for you, letting them know that you're there for them, having them, you know, communicate with you and being able to process. One of the biggest things that was freeing to me is that I am not their healer. We want to fix people. The problem with that is that we begin to try to fix everybody and we dismiss ourselves and then we're beat down. We're ragged. We're wondering why, you know, we feel so empty and alone is because we literally have been trying to to fix everybody else. And we're trying to put everybody else back together. And of course, I mean, there's so many scenarios like God, he He calls us to the poor. He calls us to the brokenhearted, calls us to those people. Also, he doesn't want us to be in abuse. Yeah. He doesn't want us to be just submitting ourselves over and over again. So many layers to that. So I'm trying to like keep saying that because I don't want this to be like, oh, well, she said this and this is a blanket statement. I understand the layers. I mean, I come from an abusive home. I come from parents. Like my dad, you know, hit my mom and I saw it often and my mom was emotionally abusive. So I grew up most of my life up until I was about 26, hating so much about my life, anger, bitterness, resentment, all of it. I was just, I was an angry person. Wow. That was only seven years ago because I'm 33 and that was about 26, maybe 25. I had to actually put up boundaries of, you know, Hey, like I'm not going to have this conversation with you if you're going to be cussing at me. I had to be yes. the one that laid the foundation of what this looks like to be healthy. And most of us, I had to actually reframe 
what is a healthy conversation? What does love really look like? Because love for many can look like abuse. It can look like manipulation of words because if they're not shown the father's love like I wasn't, how do I know what true love is? That sounds kind of cheesy, but really true love, right? From the father, what does that look like? Also from reading parts of your books, I've heard that some of your background was traumatic with dealing with abuse. And when I think about what you do and what you're walking in now, why was it worth it for you to go back and now mentor and coach and encourage and minister to friends and people who share so much of your story? Like, Why did you go back when it was painful? This often just brings me to tears every time I think about it is that I know what it's like to feel left out and I know what it feels like to not be seen and to not be heard. So everything I do now is I want that person to feel seen and I want them to feel heard and I want them to know that their sin doesn't scare me. Yeah. Because I was somebody that was a serial boyfriend dater. I lost my virginity at 12. I dated men. I slept with men. I was a slave to my body and the way it looked. And I hope it would give me, you know, all the things and all the men and I'd get all the accolades and I turned that into my business. And I was like, Hey, what am I going to do? If I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. And so Mm. that turned into working three jobs and working everywhere just so I could say, Hey, look at all that I do. Every single area of my life, whether it was dating men that were married or whatever, it was these moments in my life before I knew Jesus that made me to be able to, one, I redirected my pain then so that I can repurpose it now. And that's really what this is, is that, hey, you know what? You had sex before marriage. Guess what? There's redemption. You try to recommit purity again. Yeah, me too. And I failed a second time. Jesus's blood covers it over and over again. And that's why we get repentance. And repentance is like this bad word. Like we're, you know, it's like a death sentence. Like, oh, I have to repent. Repentance is like, hey, Father, like I do not want to do this anymore. I repent of my angry attitude of how I lashed out on this person, how I treated this person. Like I want to go in a new direction. Yeah. And that's really what repentance is. It's Father, I I'm sorry for how I acted. Please help me go in this direction. You don't just repent and keep doing the same thing over and over again. And if you do, here's the thing. Like you just repent and you keep learning the word of God. I can repent of, you know, yelling at my husband and then have to repent again. He just wants your heart. He's not like, okay, you're not repenting. He wants your heart and everything. And that's why I get just so fired up about human trafficking. And I'm beginning to get really more involved in that of like, what does it look like for a woman to know who she is in Christ and to know that like, hey, your sin and prostitution or whatever it is that you chose doesn't matter when you move forward. Like who you once were is not who you'll always be. Generational lies, people believe, well, you know, my parents were addiction, you know, people that were addicted. So that means I'm just prone to it. Well, he made you a thinking being. Yeah. He made you in the image of God. You're not made in the image of your parents. Oh, come on. That just makes me want to preach. So like (laughs) for me, making us a thinking being, there's a statistic done by like Harvard um, Mind Body Medicine and and other things that 75 to 98% of mental, physical illness is from our thought life. Wow. It's how we perceive ourselves. And there's often this war going on inside of us, who we think we should be and who we are in Christ. That's crazy. And this battle that goes on over and over again is I keep hearing women say, well, I just don't feel good enough for God. Why does God even care about me? Why does God love me? It's why I created the my new four-week study, Know Your Worst Study, that's free. And it talks about all these questions. Why does God love me? Why does he care about me? And why did he choose me? If we could get back to that basic 
basic core principle, we would begin to live our life a lot differently. You know, over the last two and a half years, I've just learned I cannot depend on what I see. Because if I depend on what I see, scripture tells me that I'm being carnally minded. Yeah. Not all sin is carnal, but it's like, if I just depend on what I see, I'm not living by faith. Yeah, that's I want to speak in faith and things that I do not see as though they are. Are we using our words to do that in our life right now? Am I speaking into existence? Am I speaking over my finances? Am I speaking over my body and my children? Things that are not as though they are. Yeah. Because that's the life that I want to live in faith. And it has taken me a long time. It's only been the past two and a half years that I started using my words and declaring because as you grow in faith and you begin to open up your eyes to the real gospel, because there's so many gospels out there and the real gospel is, I guess, you know, objective to everybody. <laughs> depending on who it is. For me, a lot of people, I heard that God gives you sickness. And when I went through my huge two and a half year, really bad season of sickness, I was like, okay, well, God, what are you teaching me in the sickness? You're not going to go to a doctor that gave you sickness to go also to him for healing. That's so powerful. Yes, that's so true. If he's the healer, why would he give me sickness? Because there's sin in this world and sin is what causes sickness. Yes. And my thought life can also cause sickness. Yeah. If you have stress, what do you do? You get a headache. Your shoulders start to ache. Your neck starts to get tight. If we think about what we're thinking about, your body will show it. I know I keep talking. I'm going to stop talking now. Keep talking. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. And you are so right because our tongue has the power of life and death. Cannot believe that statistic. That is absolutely crazy. Hey friends, I'm interrupting my conversation with Jessica to tell you about my favorite little denim jacket from Brave Witness Clothing. You've heard me speak about my love for this business, Brave Witness Clothing, many times. I share photos of my jacket on social media regularly. Brave Witness creates custom clothing, encouraging believers to dare to walk bravely and boldly in the life that God has called them to live. That's right, hand-painted articles of clothing clothing created just for you. If you want to connect with this brand and get your own jacket, flannel, face mask, jeans, you can pretty much do whatever article of clothing that you are inspired by. The artist who creates all of the authentic clothing is a dear friend of mine and I'm obsessed with her work and even more proud of the ministry that she is carrying out in obedience. If you would like to find Brave Witness, you can find them on Instagram. At this moment, they are an Instagram only but their website is coming soon. In fact, they just launched a rebranding Brave Witness online through Instagram, Brave Witness Clothing. And when you mention that you are a listener of Still With You, so when you DM them to place your order, use the code Still With You to receive 10% off. Say, hey, I'm interested in placing an order. Here's my code Still With You. Automatic 10% off. You can find more information. Go on Instagram, search brave witness clothing and get yourself your own jacket flannel and begin walking in who God called you to be a brave witness. I 
as I've been reading your work and also just getting to know you, you've been open and you even alluded to it just a second ago about like your relationship with your body. That is a topic I don't often talk about, not for any other reason than I just haven't had a guest who's like open to go there with me. I would love to talk about that. And I have just a few questions for you that I feel like might be helpful for some of our friends if you're cool with it. Yeah, let's do it. Some of these questions, I was thinking about things that I like have gone through myself. This might be relatable to some of our friends. I think it's not as much as the outside as much as the inside. If we take care of the inside, then the outside comes. Yeah, It's all about where our focus is and what we're trying to change in order to make us feel better. Thank you. Okay. See, this is why I was like, she's going to help partner with me in this conversation, like say the things that I mean, but I'm not saying, right? (laughs) You have full permission, do that anytime. So we're talking in the middle of winter and something that I often get anxious about is my body, like after the holiday, when we move into the spring and kind of where the weather is getting warmer, I sometimes can lean on where I am like, okay, I need to like go full into like my health and can get almost borderline sometimes obsessed about it. How do you do that without getting obsessed about it, you know, but also still putting health as a priority? Well, there's two things I always think of that I've really began to help women a lot with is the first thing is the narrative. A lot of the time people would say, well, winter's coming. I'm going to gain five pounds. Well, guess what? You're going to gain five pounds. Oh, yeah. Yep. Because we have literally spoke into existence with our words. So therefore, out of our mouth is what's in our heart. Mm-hmm. So if we already believe that we're going to gain five pounds, our actions will move in that direction because our body is just along for the ride. Yes. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. And our soul is that gateway. It's the mind, will, and emotions. So what I think changes my brain, which can change how I move my body. If I'm just continually like, hey, you know what? It's flu season. I'm going to get sick. Who cares? It just happens every year versus like, you know what? No, I'm not going to accept this. You know, I'm not going to accept that I'm going to gain five pounds this winter. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of people will say, well, I've just tried everything and nothing seems to work. Okay, well, every time you try something new, do you have that same attitude? Mm. So I want you to think about the narrative that you believe around seasons. The second thing is that your health isn't a season. Okay. We often categorize ourselves as, okay, it's summer. It's spring. Here's what my body's going to look like. Here's what I'm going to do. Okay. Summer's here. I can be relaxed a little bit. We're going out. Okay. Great. Winter's coming. Oh, got to work out extra hard because the holidays. Oh, who cares? It's the holidays. I'll work out after. Do you see how we fall into this pattern of depending on the season is depending on how I'm going to treat my body? Yeah. And you just watched me like I just said what you are breaking down. Like I absolutely just said that. I was like, this is how I feel. And so I would say, well, why do you believe that? Why do you believe that you're going to gain weight in the winter? Is it because everybody else does? Do you have to? Who told you you were fat? Who told you that you had to set these weight loss goals? Who told you that you had to, you know, have the perfect summer body? Like told you. And where did it come from? Yeah, that's really good. If it's not rooted in Christ and he's not calling you to that and to move your body this way or to eat this way, then guess what? It's a bunch of lies. Okay. So break this down for me then. When we, and I say we, because I feel like, again, like I'm going to speak for myself and maybe a group of people who can relate. When we are working out and we're actually having fun, you know, we're having fun, we're doing like, we feel like maybe just like feeling that like for me, sometimes when I work out, like it's just honestly like a mental clarity. Like I notice that I I do it boost my confidence, get those endorphins going. But sometimes there's a lie that I fall into is that we're like, oh, this feels like it's too much fun or 
the fact that you're spending an amount of time on yourself that it feels selfish. How do you address that? I believe it's kind of two different topics, like being selfish versus it being fun. I think that when we actually experience freedom, the freedom that Christ set us free from, which is the bondage of the world, which is aka diet culture. So when we think of the tension between, wow, like I'm actually enjoying the food that I'm eating. I can honor God with a piece of cake and I can still eat a salad for lunch and eat a piece of cake for dinner. And wow, this is like really freeing and great. But as soon as something happens is because we're in the tension of leaving the diet culture mentality, which is, you know, you have to do this. You have to be on strict, uh, you know, eating plan. If you don't eat keto, you're not going to lose weight. If you don't eat high fat, you're not going to lose weight. If you eat carbs, you're going to gain all the weight. Like there's these Mm -hmm. narratives everywhere, which is why I'm like, hey, what do you believe? Because if you don't know what you believe, then you're just going to continue to live as though you are. With that narrative of actually being in freedom, to me, it's a sign of, wow, you're healing. So as soon as the enemy comes in and says, you shouldn't be having fun, ask him, according to whom? (laughs) Yes, that's true. Then reality is like, well, the reason why I feel like I can't be having fun while I'm moving my body is because diet culture has taught me that I have to burn and kick my butt in a workout and burn these calories, right? And if I don't, then I'm not going to lose the weight. Does that like answer kind of that? Does that help? Yeah, absolutely. Because I just think that there's, I mean, to me, it's always just a comparison game probably for, I mean, just thinking about like even comparing yourself to, oh, I, I did better at this on Monday or today I'm not doing as well or comparing yourself to a last year of like I was here last year and it's those levels of striving that need to be diminished and again like I'm just trying to open a conversation about this because this is something that I've not talked about also like you're asking questions that I don't know if we if many of us know to ask Mm -hmm. right you're like according to whom like I mean that's so practical (laughs) and so true Mm -hmm. we chase things and we don't know why we're chasing them and I've really learned to ask myself questions and I'm not perfect so I come here from experience and I come here as I'm with you I am not saying that I have nailed it. I nail it every time, but I am definitely a question asker. I'm an internal processor. I ask a lot of questions to get all the sides of the story so I can kind of not sit in my feelings and emotions. When I went through my health journey, I had gained weight and my thighs got bigger and my clothes kind of started to fit differently. And I'm still a petite woman. Most of my life, I was one weight and I was thinner and I had six pack abs. And guess what? I was still pretty miserable. (laughs) Looking back, I was like, well, obviously it wasn't about what I look like. It was about what was going on in my heart. When that began to happen and my body began to change, I was like, okay, well, what does this really mean? Okay. So I have some bigger thighs. I'm not saying like I'm huge, you know, cause a lot of women would be like, well, you're, you're not even overweight and da, 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 da. Like, can we just allow women to be in their bodies and to process individually without other women saying that they shouldn't feel a certain way? Right. Yep. Let's be kind to our bodies as we're kind to other women's bodies. So for me personally, I began to ask the Lord like, okay, well, what does it mean if my thighs are bigger? What does it really mean? Because this is me looking at it objectively. No emotions, nothing. And it means nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I might have to go up in a jean size, but what does that mean? And I'm like, nothing. Like I'm still like a kind person. I still love Jesus. I'm still able to do the mission. Being willing to ask myself, okay, what do you have for me in this season? Because my body looks a lot different than it did when I was in my early 20s and I was lifting heavy every single day versus now where I literally do 25 minutes every day or four days a week and I walk and I'm like, that looks completely different than what I did two hours in the gym lifting super heavy weights. My body just looks different, but my body also went through a lot of healing. Yeah. When we go through healing, 
our body changes. It begins to step into what it's actually supposed to do. Because when we're in fight or flight our whole life, our body is only trying to keep us alive. And most of my life, my body was like, hey, how can we keep you alive? How can we keep you alive? Because I was overworked. I was stressing my body out with physical exercise, with food, and with emotional. I think that's why I get so caught up in the spirit, soul, body, and teaching that to other women in fitness and health to help them understand how each part goes so beautifully together. Just willing to ask yourself, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. Am I showing up? Because being quote unquote healthy, and I say that with quotes because everybody is different when it comes to health, but we all need to address our spirit, soul, body to be healthy healthy is that yes, we still need discipline and it's a spiritual discipline. So I'm not just saying like, oh yeah, you can just be whatever you want, do whatever you want because you live in the freedom of Christ, right? Like that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, okay, your body's changing but you're showing up, you're being disciplined. Okay. Your body's changing. What does this mean? And just being aware and constantly asking yourself, okay, why is it that I'm thinking this way and challenging the thoughts? That's really what it looks like to put your thoughts on trial. You know, according to whom, who told me I was fat? Why am I even doing this? I hate this workout. Why am I here? Just asking yourself those questions. You're about the reframing. Reframing like our thought process. Well, let me ask you this because for me, sometimes I have this where I will hear something in, I'm going to give an example here in a second, but I will hear something that someone says and I'm like, I think I believe that. And then I put it against the word of God. If it doesn't match up with the word of God, like reject it, rebuke it. I was listening to an interview with the pop star Lizzo. She's also brought up conversations about body positive and being body normative. As a faith-based fitness coach, when you hear terms like that, do you feel like that is something that we need to be behind as believers? Like what would you, because I mean, I can imagine our friends having conversations like this, you know, when are they're at coffee with a friend or maybe like, you know, on social media, like so-and-so said, what do you think about those phrases and that, that idea? I think my question would be to you is how well has it worked when you're like, I just need to love my body. Mm. Like, And if you can't say confidently, then you're trying to work from the outside in, not the inside out. I completely dismantle the whole like love your body kind of phrase. This whole self-love, I actually did a whole podcast episode on that, the self-love lie, is that if I just love myself, then I'll be happy with my body. Here's a action. Am I going to get a reaction from it, right? And here's what I have to say to that is that when we try to love ourselves, we're too close to ourselves. Therefore, to find myself Mm. loving myself, I have to know what love is, what it looks like, and how to respond to it. If I don't know those basic things, guess what? I'm going to continue to put myself through a cycle of abuse. Jess, you should submit. Like, Jess, why aren't you striving for this workout? Jess, why aren't you? Like, my words and my language are going to be different. So what I like to help people and women with when it comes to this self-love of lie is taking them to the two Corinthians when Paul is addressing the spiritual gifts. And we know this as the love chapter, right? But he's actually talking about using your gifts and how using your gifts should be done with love because if it's not done with love, then what is there? You have nothing. In between that, we get this beautiful just passage of what love looks like. And so what I'd like to do is it's not about you finding self-love. It's about you understanding God's love for you. Because when I understand God's love for me, then in return, I can express that same love towards myself. So let me just give you an example. It talks about love is patient, love is kind. So therefore, I can go and say, am I being patient with my body? Am I being kind to my body? 
Am mm-hmm. I envying other bodies in my body? Am I boastful about my body? We can take that scripture and really weigh it up to how am I treating myself? If I'm looking at scripture for the foundation, then I can put that against what I'm actually thinking. And I think that's important for us because yeah. if you can't say kind words about your body, you're not, you can't change what you hate. Mm-hmm. So if you keep hating your body, it's never going to change. But if I fall under God's word of what he says about love and kindness, kindness, and patience, then I can begin to enforce that with myself. So in return, I'm being an image bearer of the Father simply by doing these things in accordance to His Word within my body, towards my body. I love having these conversations, but sometimes don't you just feel like almost like you being a coach that it's exhausting where you're like, it's so simple. Like why do we make it so complicated, right? Like why have we like almost like glamorized the body when it just, it has so many beautiful functions that were not made for like what it's doing in the world right now. Does that make sense? Like idolized. Well, you have to figure, I mean, it's been a long journey for me in this healing of my body taking shape it getting cellulite, it changing. Like I had, and that's what I talk about healing privately yes. before sharing publicly. A lot of people don't know that I passed out on an airplane and that I was super sick and I couldn't walk and I would get dizzy. Like a lot of people don't know that. And it's been two years and I've shared seeds of that. But in my fourth book that will be released this coming year, a lot of that story will be in there of my healing journey of the soul work of the like what does it really mean like this is like one of my favorite phrases that the lord gave to me is that when your soul is well you can be well because if our soul is the gateway right that means that it opens the valve between god's word into my body or i shut it off and that means i just partner with my body and whatever i'm feeling and i think that i'm just maybe a few steps ahead of maybe some listeners but trust me like i still ask myself these questions. You know, when the dessert comes around the table, the enemy is going to try to distract you and get you to believe an old lie. And I think that that's important. Like what I was saying about the dessert, like, okay, this dessert, is it going to make me bloated? Is it going to make me this? Because I was an obsessive compulsive just two years ago about being gluten-free, dairy-free to the point where I was like eating nothing because I didn't want to eat it because I was afraid to eat it. I had a lot of trauma and things that I had to work through in my sickness and working through that. And like I said, not a lot of people know that journey yet. It was a tough one to come out of to be able to say, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to eat some gluten today. I'll be good. And I know some people obviously can't, but I'm not gluten intolerant. I might be sensitive, but me not eating gluten or dairy was a form of religion. It was not discipline. It was religious duty that I thought I had to partake in. Again, we often just, well, it looks so easy. Well, you're kind of right because he does say that his way is simple, but it's not always easy. The narrow way and few will find it. And that really is the narrow way. I just want to say thank you for being so generous. Like I think every time we share our story, like we're loaning part of our faith and essentially like, you know, giving away part of our heart, like with such vulnerability, it takes a brave person to do that, to have those conversations. And granted, you're walking in freedom now, but you have to sometimes look back at those lies and the former versions of yourself to be able to see how God worked and moved and to carry that to others. And girl, I just want to say thank you. I'm so thankful that our paths have connected. What a gift you are giving to so many 
not just women, but men also. They're the ones who are going to be in relationship and in families with other women. And this conversation is sometimes just narrowed to uh, specifically women, but I know that there are many men who struggle with these kind of things as well and that their story is similar too. One thing I always like to say, is it's from... Um Relation wellness and Elisa Keaton says, you know, we get free and we stay free and we set others free. So for me, I might be free, but guess what? It's my job to stay free. Yeah. So that's why I'm always like, okay, I have experienced the other side. I've been coming out of it, but how do I maintain my freedom? And that is really in our soul and in our thought life and in our submission to Christ. That's so good. Love that you're being so vocal about this. Unless there's anything else you have to share about something, I'd love to talk about your next book coming out, also about the four-week study. Are you cool if we transition into that topic? Yeah, let's go ahead. You mentioned that you have a book coming out. When is it releasing? Also, can we hear more about the four-week study? What are you excited for in that? Well, my fourth book has been quite a long process. I actually wrote it in 2019, and I went through a lot of the process of editing as far as finding an agent, proposal, all the things. Basically, I didn't get a book deal, and it's been quite the emotional journey with that, long story short. So I just said, you know what? I'm doing another self-published book, and I'm going to do it to the best of my knowledge, and I'm going to treat it as though it got picked up by an agent. (laughs) It will be in the editing process until about April, and then it will go into design and all of that stuff. And so I'm hoping by fall of next year will the book review released. And it's really like what I said, when our soul is well, we can be well. It's different from all the other books I've written. Like I said, it shares a lot more of my healing journey as far as physical healing and emotional healing. And I'm just really excited for its release. Don't have a locked in title or anything yet to share with you, but I'm really excited about it. And then the four week study, it's a four week know your worst study. You know, why God loves you, chose you, cares about you. It's four weeks. And every single week I address a focus and I use scripture. So it talks about, you know, we talk about from the beginning, you know, why God chose you. Then we talk about what happened on the cross and we address, you know, why does God care about you? And then we talk about what's happening now after the cross. I break this down so that we can really get back to the core of who we are. And a lot of women kept asking me because they were reading my book, Know Your Worth. And that's been out for five years. And I didn't know how to write a book when I wrote that book. I wrote it. It's out there. And people were like coming to me like, hey, do you have a study? Often women will buy Know Your Worth and, and read it together in a small group or something. And they're like, do you have a study? Do you have study. And it's like, no, I should probably create one. And here it is. And it's free. So you can get that from my website. But it really just breaks down basically like who you are in Christ at the most basic level and understanding scripture. And inside the study, I include how to study the Bible, different types of writing. So you actually get the intro, understanding the different you know styles of writing, how to read it, how to study scripture, how to do all these things, uh, a better way to pray. And then you get four weeks of study. So you get a lot for free. And over 14,000 words of free stuff. It's a pretty big study for free. And I wanted it to be able for women to buy my book, Know Your Worth, alongside the study, or they can read the book and then do the study, or they can just do the study, whatever it is. I made it to where you can read it alone or read it together with my book. 
See, that was my next question. I was like, what is it in partnership with the book? Because clearly we want all of our friends to go read your book. And I'm still reading through it. I love it. It's so good. Good to know that we can read them together. We can read them separately. That's so interesting. And immediately what I was thinking, it is time for small groups to start launching again. So a four-week study is a perfect thing because it's not too much. It leaves room for flexibility. What a perfect way to get back to the basics, but also talk about the stuff that needs to be talked about, like the the basics, but also the complex conversation. I was even thinking about this too. So not only be good for a small group, but Lent as well. This would be a perfect study like leading up to Easter. I like to find a consistent rhythm that leads me to Easter. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like that would be a really good one to sit with Jesus and do some of the private healing. Yeah, man, that is so exciting. You are on it. You have a big year ahead of you. I wrote a guide too recently that's coming out. I, I did a lot of writing that's free at the end of this quarter of 2020. And the guide is called Chase God, Not Your Feelings, How to Live by Faith and Not by What You Feel. And that will be free as well. And so this would be a great pickup as well to get because we talked a lot about feelings. I kind of walk you through five steps. I give you an understanding of the soul role. And I share an analogy that the Lord shared with me about how much our thought life and what we believe and our root system affects the fruit that we bear. So that's another free resource as well. All of this information is going to be in the show notes of this episode. So our friends will easily be able to find you. And then there's your website, Jessica Hoddle, if they want to connect with you, which I hope they do. They can hear the doses of truth that I love so much. I'm so glad to know you and also to know that not only are you doing this, speaking the truth, but you're doing it with excellence. Like I love it when curators and creatives take time to make things look beautiful at the same time. I just do. I love it. So I want to just tell you awesome work on that as well. Thank you so much for your kind words. And thank you for having me. It was just so much fun to be able to be here and just encourage and root for everybody listening. The podcast is called Still With You and it comes from Psalms 139.18. When I wake up, I'm still with you. And so I always ask all my friends, where is God still with you? I think for me, it is always about when I'm journaling or writing, because still, like you said, still can mean he's still with me, like still as in not moving or the places that he continues to be with is how I kind of look at that and, and listen. And for me, some of my best moments and times are when I am still with him in my journaling and my writing and my reading, because that's really when I get like pumped up, yeah. <laughs> um, all the things. Uh, so that that's really what that means to me uh, when I think about that. I wish we lived closer because I have like so many questions for you. I'm just so like interested in like the process of like book writing and just pastoring people, like just speaking the truth to them. I'm amazed and I would love to have you back anytime, Jessica. And thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you loved my conversation with Jessica just as much as I did. I can't imagine not having her voice in my life speaking complete truth. Her bringing up the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 blew my mind. I don't think I'll ever look at that 
part of the Bible or even view my relationship with my body in the same way. That was something to take away. If you want even more of Jessica speaking into your life, she has so many freebies on her website. I just was browsing them a second ago. Five lies women believe about their identity, 25 prayers for emotional healing, and the four-week Know Your Worth study, which she mentioned in our conversation. You can find all of this and more on her website, jessicahoddle.com. Follow her on social media at Jessica Hoddle. Find her books, read her books, listen to her podcast, What's the Truth? I love tuning in every week and getting a daily dose of truth. It is incredible. And I'm so thankful for this opportunity to have her on still with you. We've got to have her back. And friends, I want to encourage you that you're great. You are worth the process of healing. I feel like I've been saying that these past couple of weeks to myself. God's been reminding me that every day is a process of learning to trust and love Him and surrender and die to self. All the things that Jesus walked on the earth that we are trying to implement and practice in our lives. And I'm so thankful that He came to earth to show us this perfect example of what true love looks like. If you ever need encouragement, feel free to connect with me. You can find me on social media, Coley Browning, that's K-O-H-L-I-E and Browning Like the Rifle. You can also visit my website. There's tons of extras for you there, coleybrowning.com. Again, I would love to say hey, encourage you, and thank you for taking a moment out of your week to hang out with us. Walk with confidence, be bold, be brave, be you, and remember that he is still with you.